In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, coming to you from Orlando, where Atlanta United defeated Orlando City 2-1 on Sunday night. The win snapped Orlando City's six-game winning streak and extended Atlanta United's unbeaten streak against the Lions to four games. The victory also kept Atlanta United atop MLS with 25 points. I'm joined by Jason Longshore of 92.9 in soccer down here and special guest appearance by Mike Conti of 92.9 FM as we watch the rain. And I don't think there's any bottles left on the field. (laughs) Uh, Do you all see any out there? I think they got them. Uh, as somebody tweeted, uh, the, the parlay kits next year, there will be quite a few extras. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, I mean, unfortunate, ugly scene. Because, to be honest with you, and, and I think Jason would agree, they've created a great electric atmosphere mm-hmm. here, a lot yeah. of noise. I love what they've done with the supporter section, the, the high pitch, the safe standing. Uh, it felt good-natured most of the night. You never want to see a situation where projectiles come onto the pitch at the end. And uh, credit to Orlando City for addressing it. And uh, I hope they find the culprits because they should probably lose their tickets. Yeah, well, it happened twice. The first time happened after the Martinez goal. Yeah, they there was water, a few right? bottles. Yeah, yeah there was okay, a few I, bottles I missed thrown. That. Yeah, and then it happened again. Um, I just posted a story about the whole thing uh, with a statement from Orlando City uh, con- uh, uh, condoning. Uh, the behavior. Um, Gerardo Martino talked about it a little bit. Uh, neither Alec Can nor Miles Robinson said they were hit by anything, which I was a little surprised by, mm-hmm. considering it was hundreds of plastic bottles uh, that were thrown. Anyway, take care of some housekeeping here really quick. Uh, the goals were scored by Joseph Martinez in the 10th minute on a penalty kick and Ezekiel Barco in the 35th, 31st minute with his second goal in three games. Orlando City's came from Justin Miram on what Robinson thought was a little bit of a lucky goal. He thought maybe he could have reacted a little bit more fast uh, following a save by or a deflection by Alec Can, but it was a pretty hard thing yeah. to, to move to. I thought we we just watched the highlights back, and and I don't think Robinson really could have done much differently there. It was a long shot from Will Johnson that Can was unable to to catch. Uh, wasn't able to punch it wide enough. It was tricky, kind of knuckling on him. Yeah. So did the best he could with it. The Barco goal, you know, I think it's, you know, we'd almost forgotten about it after all of the hysteria at the end of this, but that Barco goal, go back and watch it, the highlight of the behind him camera angle, the outside of the right foot shot, it was so much more difficult than it looked like watching it live, brilliant technique. I asked him why he hit it with the outside of his right foot, and he said, that's all I could do at the moment. Mm-hmm. It, it, it happened so fast, and I said, I thought you were trying to curve it a little bit. Um, and he said, well, maybe a little bit, but that's that's all I could do at the time. That goal was way too easy yeah. for Atlanta United. Started but, with a great ball from Almiron at midfield. Almiron to Barco to Garza, back to Barco, 
just a little trailing, not even a cross, just a pass. Yeah. And Barco just pounded it on the other side of the crossbar and in. And just how, carved Orlando City up. How about Garza? I mean, he's your man of the match. Yep. And, you know, again, an assist. You know, a big part of the buildup that led to a goal. Drew the penalty right. in the 10th minute. I thought an obvious call. Yep. I mean, it happened yep. right in front of us here in our commentary box. Obvious call. Great work by Garza. Uh, and to be honest with you, I thought he was a guy who maybe had a slight chance to not play tonight. Yeah. Based on, you know, the amount of minutes that he right. has played over yeah. the last eight days. Uh, you know, rightly included in the 11, played the whole 90 and, and did great. Yeah, this was the third game in eight days for Atlanta United uh, to take six points from that stretch. Uh Martino took another jab at Mark Geiger. <laughs> I need to hear uh, about this. After the game, said it should have been nine points if we were playing 11 on 11 on Wednesday. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, that's in the game story that I posted. You can find on my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Couldn't resist that little jab. Complimented <laughs> referee Alan Kelly for not being influenced by the atmosphere yeah. tonight. I thought um, Kelly handled it really well. Yeah, there were there were the the only call that may have been controversial that I need to see a highlight of was the handball in the first half against Atlanta United in the penalty box. I didn't I, see it. I didn't see it either. I didn't understand the reaction. I thought Gressel maybe a high boot. He flicked his, his foot up pretty high and, and yeah. poked it away. I didn't think there was a handball. I just I didn't catch it. So the three five two came back uh, after a one game hiatus from the four three three. I'll be stunned if we see the four three three again. I think Atlanta United looks so much better with the three five. Uh, it'll, it'll happen, but uh, Not right now it's it's hard to say. I mean, right now they're playing the best out of the three five two. I think when everyone is in sync to get all of your stars on the field, you have to go four two three one. But right now, other guys are stepping up as stars. And when you look at Julian Gressel, I thought he did a great job defensively tonight. Miles Robinson, I mean, I know he's probably hard on himself about the goal that game that was given up, but Miles Robinson looked even better tonight than he right. did in his last match. And collectively, Jason and I, we anointed the back line as our men of the match yeah. combined, and, and Robinson part of that, but really Parkhurst and LGP. Yeah. And here, you know, another night, it feels like we've had a couple matches in a row right now where the best attacking player on the opposition has been totally snuffed out by LGP. Yeah, I was going to say Dwyer did nothing. Nothing. Totally invisible tonight. Question's highlight was getting into a fight with a teammate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Question was a little (laughs) more active than Dwyer. I mean, he he had a few more touches, but not much more. I mean, just a tremendous job. I I wrote uh, this week, I I think LGP is making a really strong case for all-star game inclusion, to be honest with you. He's got to stop with the histrionics, though. That's the big turnoff, I think. He's done a lot better job this year than last year with not raising his arm every time he thinks there's a foul or there's an offside. There is a difference in in culturally how games are called in different parts of the world. And I, I think there is a learning process for players who come from Latin leagues to MLS because the referees handle things differently. In in Latin leagues, that's not even thought about as anything because referees let players express themselves a little bit more and then move on with it. Here, when players do that, it can rub a referee the wrong way. You start to see calls go against them. Things can happen. So there is a bit of an adjustment, I think, for a player like LGP, so physical. It took him some time. I think he still has some adjusting to do. I think he can get better in how he manages the game with referees, Mm -hmm. but tonight... He managed to take Dom Dwyer out of the match. Yep. Dwyer's drifting out wide to try to find space. Dom Dwyer sending in crosses in the last 10 minutes mm-hmm. is a good thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. I thought Robinson, in his second start, 
he's he's making it tougher and tougher on Martino to leave him out. Here's the thing of though. the lineup. This is the thing that none of us ever expected would happen. You know, talking about three five two and four four two three one four three three. What is keeping Tito Vishalba right now out of the lineup is the strength of this back line. Yep. Because it's working really well with the way they're playing it. They don't want to sacrifice a defender right now for the extra attacker because this team is so strong defensively. Right. And you didn't have McCann and Escobar, who yeah. are arguably stronger defenders than, than Miles Robinson. Uh, and you were very, very close to getting a clean sheet tonight mm-hmm. in Orlando against a team that had won six in a row. So... I, really remarkable work. It's like we said, you know, Escobar picked a bad time to get hurt because yeah. it, it put McCann in there and maybe it, it kind of pushed Escobar out a little bit. These decisions are going to continue to be very complicated for Tata down the road. And and I think squarely, I mean, Vajalba, is, that's going to be a big point of discussion now because in the three five two, as Jason pointed out on our broadcast tonight, I mean, there are some aspects of playing in the three five two that don't really lend uh, themselves to having Vajalba included in the 11. But to your point, Jason, your point, Doug, there are going to be times where you want to get all four of these guys on the pitch at the same time, as we saw Wednesday night against SKC. So that's why I, I don't think the 4-3-3 is, is dead. Yeah. I, I think the 4-3-3 might come back at some time. It'll come back at times, but here's the thing. The Open Cup comes up at a really good time right now mm-hmm. because you could see an Open Cup lineup on June 6th when, when Atlanta United joins it with guys like Escobar, McCann, Vishalba, first team guys that you would think are going to be playing key minutes with the first team, yep. that might be their next real run out with the first team is in the Open Cup. I think that you'll see the three five two again next Sunday in the massive game against Red Bulls, it a makes team a that lot likes to press. Then I think you may see the 4-3-3 come back for New England. New England. New England might work better in a four three three. New England it, it, and up there especially, it's it's such a weird matchup because they just make the game chaotic. It, it's a press, but it's not like the Red Bulls press. It's not like what Atlanta United does when they press. It's just chaos all over the field, and they thrive in it. They thrive when the game is kind of ugly. I'm gonna be the. I will be curious to see the manager, the opposing manager, that can figure out how to unlock this three five two. Not easy. It's not easy right now because of guys like this back line, and you can plug and play Robinson, McCann, Escobar. Guys like Lorenowitz, who doesn't get enough credit, and he never will. Right. And a guy like Darlington Nagby, who tonight, so many just little simple plays. And, and you've, I, I begged somebody on our full-time report show to go back and do the touch video for Darlington Nagby because what you're going to see tonight, so many little touches like three feet this way, three feet this mm-hmm. way, away from trouble. Defender goes on a flyby, and then he's able to reset and get the team out of trouble. And I think quite simply, we're at the point right now where we can say objectively, other than maybe Toronto, and they're not in good form right now, but they're hurt. Other than maybe Toronto, I don't think there's a club in MLS that can match Atlanta United talent-wise 1 through 11 right now. Yeah. I mean, I think think we're at that point other than maybe Toronto at, at full strength. And... I mean, that's remarkable 40 matches into the existence of this club that we're at this point right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's as Jason said, it's good Open Cup is coming up. It's going to give a lot of guys chances to play and get very, very important playing experience. 
I really think they want to go for Open Cup this year. Because I think they it, want to go for all the trophies. Because it's a path into Champions League. Yep. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like last year where it's second choice lineups in Open Cup. I mean, I think you're going to see hybrid first, second choice. What's there crazy. really is no a second, uh, yeah. a second choice lineup right now. There, there's not a second choice because the guys who aren't seeing enough time with the first team are going to play in the Open Cup, and those are guys that you thought would be first team. Right. Don't forget, I think they already have a path into the Open Cup by accumulation too. of two seasons right worth now of points. There. Yeah, yeah. at the moment they're there. Yeah. I don't see anybody. You got to finish. Them. You got to finish three points clear in New York. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because SKC is in. So basically, yeah. you're you're trying to finish three points clear of, of New York City. Columbus but. is is in the. They're in the pecking order. I want to say they're three points. And I think Chicago might be in there as well. Chicago's going to You don't have to worry about it. Since we're talking about other MLS teams, what do you make of the rest of this weekend's action? There's one game ongoing right now as we record this podcast. It is tied 1-1. TFC losing again to New England. Yeah. Uh, And the the scoreline... Go ahead. Go ahead. Scoreline might have been a little misleading. Now, I thought that (laughs) clearly Michael Bradley... No, just kidding. Oh, jeez. I'm out of here. No, no, no. But look, I mean, we know that they've got the talent, and obviously Altidore is hurt, so that's a big part of it. Guys, they're going to be on the road for a knockout game at best. The way I mean, mm. we're a third of the way through the season now. I know it doesn't feel like it, but we're a third of the way through the season, and they keep giving up points, and they keep giving up points. And, you know, at, at some point, they're going to run out of time. So uh, it, that's a great result for New England. Fascinating to me will be watching Orlando City now go up to Toronto next weekend mm-hmm. and see how those two sides regroup. Uh, yeah. Because they're going to be two desperate teams. I mean, Toronto is already 10 points out of 6th place. Right. Yeah. Uh, and 12 points out of 4th place. Yeah, and, and look at who's ahead of them right now. Like, I don't know if Red Bulls are going to fall off that much. I don't think New, so. New England's the, the club you're still wondering about. But I, it feels to me, guys, like TFC, if they get in, they're going to be 6th. At this rate, unless they just get boiling hot, or if someone above them collapses, right? And right now, I don't see New York City, Atlanta United. Yeah, I mean, if there was a team above them who might collapse, honestly, you know, I think it might be these guys mm-hmm. because I. It felt to me, and Jason pointed this out on the broadcast a couple times. Feels to me like something's going on internally there. A lot of sniping at each other, especially late in the match. A lot of frustration. That was a little uh, weird to me because they're so used to coming back. Whole, and it started early. I they, figured they well, were going to be calm and collected. They, they Instead, were it was four, the opposite. From the beginning, they, they yeah. were never yeah. calm and collected. They were 4-0-1 trailing at halftime this yeah. year. Yeah. Think about that. 4-0-1. So it, it, it's a weird vibe here in Orlando right now. But that it, to answer your question, Doug, and that's a long answer. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. TFC losing stands out to me to New England. I have a whole lot of memory left on my iPhone. <laughs> okay, we can just keep talking. So, so you look at the, the Eastern Conference. <clears throat> Atlanta should host a uh, should get out of the knockout round and be a top two seed for sure. Columbus, I think, is gunning for getting out of the knockout round, but I don't think they'll get there. I think NYC will ultimately get there. Mm-hmm. That's your top three right now. Orlando, we've got we have questions. We have to see how they bounce back. Red Bulls, I think, will make the playoffs. I don't know yeah, where, but I think they make the playoffs. I don't trust New England yet. I need to see more. They're a wild card. Then there's a pretty big drop-off. Chicago, no. they, they need help this summer. 
Philadelphia, they need to not waste money. If you go by expected money. goals, a stat that I hate, Philadelphia should be much higher. Yeah, they should. Um, they, they, the number 10, Dutch Gall, just has not been it. So uh, they need to do something. Montreal's all over the place. Who knows what's going to yeah, happen? DC with United has absolutely no chance. Yeah, Wayne I, I'm Rooney. not going to say Wayne. no chance yeah. because they have so many home games in the, at the second half. But they, it's going to take, and we were talking about it at lunch. The Wayne Rooney signing is the one to get the headlines, and he's not going to stink on the field. I think it's actually a decent signing on the field. But they have to back that up right. with a promising signing for somebody on the field that's not a name. For the amount of money they're spending on them, I think it's, it's a horrible. They're spending well, the money I, I to get the headlines. I don't believe. I almost don't believe the report. I mean, yeah, the, the fact that they would pay more than Atlanta United paid for Barco yeah. seems like nonsense. I mean, he's a man without a position. <clears throat> so he's not quick he's enough to be a for forward them. anymore. He doesn't have the consistency of the passing to be an attacking midfielder. He's, he's a nine for that team. You play him as a nine, but in front of Assad, Acosta, and Ariola. And it's not too bad. And I think if you can go get a defender and spend some money on it, that's a team that could, with all those home games, could get into the sixth spot. And don't forget, Orlando City went out and made a splash last year with the trade for Dwyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they could go and do something again mm-hmm. uh, to try to strengthen their roster. Is that Orlando, it, I, don't think they have, I don't think they have any allocation money to work with. They, they yeah. spend it all. But they will get Sutter back. They will get yes. Specter back. Yes. So, I mean, that, that will help their back line. That's I true. just, you know, it, something feels a little fishy about their their interplay right now. Yeah, it, I'll tell you the game that I'm watching next week is Orlando-Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Two uh, extremely desperate. desperate teams. And it's up in Toronto, but they have not played well at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's fascinating. That's more fascinating than Atlanta Red Bulls, to be honest. From a neutral perspective. From a yeah. neutral perspective. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this one up here. Atlanta United, two to one winners over Orlando City. Once again, goals from Joseph Martinez and Ezekiel Barco, his second and third game. Third, third game, three games. God, I can't talk. Justin Miram uh, got one back from Orlando City, but other than 300 or so bottles thrown onto the field, that was all the damage they could do. Jason, what do you have upcoming? Uh, soccer down here tomorrow on an overreaction Monday. Can't wait to see what the overreactions are. <laughs> 9 a.m. blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. Mike, what do you have upcoming? Uh, I will be keeping you up to date on Atlanta sports as it happens. And uh, we'll be back on Friday, uh, Sunday after, not Friday, Sunday at uh, 5.30. And I think all three of us are hoping for no delayed flights out of uh, rainy Orlando tomorrow because it's yes. supposed to monsoon on Monday. There is that. And I again want to wish my fiance Annette congratulations awesome job. on finishing awesome. her Farm D degree from Mercer. And not that I discovered this today. If you need a Dell laptop power cord, Staples is the place to go. <laughs> uh, mine is sitting at home on my kitchen counter oh. in Carrollton, and I that that took up most of my afternoon today. Oh. I'm Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll follow this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer, on iTunes. I've already posted quite a few things from tonight's game. Game story, man of the match, uh, piece on Orlando City fans taking center stage for the wrong reasons. I'll soon post the player ratings and the buy the numbers and then in the next couple of days I'll probably have a follow on Barco and another on Miles Robinson ahead of next Sunday's 
humongous game against the New York Red Bulls, which I must remind you, there is a bit of a history between these two teams, which we'll get into next week based upon the comments Jesse Marsh said after last year's draw in Harrisonburg. Oh, boy. 